0: Welcome back to Thrive. Angie Coley might be one of the most interesting people you will ever meet. Also one of the kindest, but just because she's got a big heart doesn't mean she can't shoot you straight. And just because she can speak truth doesn't mean it's not kind. Today, we're talking all about the art of difficult conversations of which Angie is a true professional. After having her own world turned upside down, she picked up and became a nomadic traveler living in a different place state, even country for a month at a time. In our conversation today, we talk about learning how to reframe your story to successfully shift your perspective when necessary without feeling fake or invalidating feelings. We talk about how to physically pivot your life sales in a different direction. And of course, we talk about how to have those hard, tough, super freaking difficult or uncomfortable conversations. Angie even shares a specific formula to break them down so that you can take it into your next one with a bit more grace and a bit less anxiety. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome Angie. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. I know you're quite the nomadic traveler, so I feel lucky. I feel like I caught you in the midst of all of your travels. Um, <laughs> but we just established before hitting record, you're calling in from Santa Fe right now. So mm-hmm. tell everyone, like where were you before Santa Fe and where are you going to be after?
1: So before Santa Fe, I was in Houston for the holidays with my family for about six weeks. And that was a lot of fun because because I'm a nomadic, traveler full-time I don't want extra stuff which is what Christmas becomes about people just giving gifts and presents and stuff so I had to find a way to convince my family don't give me presents so I took them all on adventures like I go on on (laughs) my travels and they were feeling a little bit like I don't know what's up with this adventure thing it feels kind of weird but afterward everybody was like I get it that was fun we need to do more of that." So basically I just travel full. That was a long winded way of saying I travel full time and I treat every town like the tourist I am. I go find interesting stuff, weird stuff, good food, fun places to visit. Right now I'm staying in Santa Fe at a house that has a garden apartment. That's a hobbit hole. What? What is that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's literally steps across the garden from here, which we're on camera, but they won't see this there is an underground bunker that has a round circular Hobbit door and it's got all kinds of artwork and Tolkien books inside it. And I'm like, I'm going to go over there and write later.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's wild. Okay. So where's like the coolest or your personal favorite place you've ever traveled to? If you had to narrow it down, I know you've been everywhere.
1: Domestically, my front. So I started this after a breakup and I wanted to find out where felt like home and I didn't really felt, feel like I had explored enough of the country to know what felt like home. So right now, with one year on the road under my belt, Savannah, Georgia and Asheville, North Carolina are my front runners for places that I could see myself settling down. Um, favorite places I've traveled include Medellin, Colombia. But Mm -hmm. I haven't been out of the country for a while because COVID, thank you, coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) I would definitely go back to
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And Fiji. I highly
1: recommend Fiji. Fiji for sure.
0: Is it as beautiful
1: as the internet makes it look? (laughs) It is. And the people are so wonderful and friendly. And uh, English is one of the national languages there. So it's very easy to get around as a tourist. So
0: Oh, that yeah. is interesting i did mm-hmm. not know that that's cool okay so before we dive into all the other like meaty <laughs> stuff we're talking about now i'm just really curious can you shed some light on what it actually takes to travel full-time because i know that this is like a very big misconception people have even in talking to my own mom i'm like mom let's travel and her automatic thing is like it's so expensive i can't do it like it's it's crazy but i've heard of so many people i feel like it's increasingly popular. Mm-hmm. to make it work and to travel and to not be you don't have to be like this multimillionaire to go and and see cool places and do cool things so can you shed some light on like what that actually looks like
1: oh yeah because i'm definitely not a multimillionaire
0: out here traveling <laughs> on the road
1: um i would say it's a lot more affordable because i don't have a mortgage payment i don't have a rent payment i literally gave all of that up to go on the road full-time I sold all of my furniture. I gave away a lot of stuff. I literally travel with what can fit in my car. And I'm depending on when I get to the Airbnb, they have the furniture, they have the Wi-Fi, they have the cooking utensils and all the stuff that I need to survive. So that's one way to do it. I know there are people that get travel trailers and they will travel all over. And you know, they've got complicated Wi-Fi setups that they can use while they're on the road. It is a little bit more expensive than having kind of a, a, a home base, I would say. But that's because these Airbnb hosts for me, they're running a business too. And they've got to they've make some profit and they've got to cover their overhead and their bills instead. I'm sitting here with the lights on running up her electricity bills. So <laughs> I get it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. So diving in then, walk us through some of your story that brought you to where we are today to give everyone some backstory before we dive into the nitty gritty of the rest of what we're talking about.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's a good one. So I've been a a copywriter, which is a sales writer. If you've ever watched Mad Men, we do a lot of advertising writing. I've been doing that for over a decade and I was running a team for a big name internet marketer. His name is Jeff Walker and he has a product launch formula if you've ever heard of it. So I was running his copywriting team for years and some point during 2020, you know, I hit a wall. I've been doing this for 10 years. I don't really feel called by this anymore. It's not exciting in the same way it is, but who am I even if I'm not a copywriter? So I started this journey in figuring out what I wanted to do next. And I started shifting toward consulting and coaching. And then I took a workshop on starting a podcast. I started a podcast and I was preparing this big anxiety ridden plan to leave over the course of, I want to say three to four months. And my partner at the time Heard all of my anxieties and my fears around leaving this job and going out on my own, and he was on board until we were just getting ready to close on a house. And one day he sat up and was like, "I don't think I love you the way you love me." I had Mm -hmm. just given notice on the job that week when he laid it on me. Yeah, crappy timing. (laughs) It really is. He could have timed that a little bit better. I mean, I don't have any ill will toward him. It was kind of a dick move, but hey, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um. So, you know, I had a lot of options. I'm fortunate that I had options. I could have moved in with my parents who offered. I could have afforded to to buy a house or to rent a place. But I never really felt like Houston was home, even though I spent a lot of time there. I grew up there. So the idea just popped into my head one day. Okay, well, I don't know what home is. I don't know where home is. Let's go find it and just spend some time on the road. And the irony in all of this was right before I decided to leave the road my my former employer their team they knew exactly what was going on they knew about the breakup I was about to like announce to the team when all of this happened and they offered to let me stay but something in my gut was like nope I just got to I got to continue with the plan I got to take this show on the road we're going to have to figure out what the next step looks like even without what I thought it was going to look like, which was moving into a new house with my partner and starting my business on more secure ground. So yeah, Yeah. that's, that's pretty much it.
0: That's wild, wild. So I know a lot of what impacted you and that I'm sure is going to be helpful for others too, is being able to take what many might've perceived as like a total, and probably you in the moment, a totally devastating, like Gut blow of like, what the heck just happened? What on earth am I going to do? And being able to really reframe that and find some hidden gems of wisdom to be gleaned from where you could. And then being able to really pick yourself up by the bootstraps and literally go on the road, keep on going, like literally, like you did. So, talk to us about what that was like, reframing your story. Like, do you have a process for doing this, reframing in a way that really successfully shifts your perspective? without feeling fake while mm-hmm. still validating your pain and having your really real feelings, but really just allows you to reset your sales and move forward and just keep going with life in the direction that it's, that it's now going to go. Well,
1: I think the, the reframe for me was twofold. One was take back your power, right? Don't let his choices impact what my plans already were And I felt like if I had stayed where I was or if I had moved in with my parents, I probably would have slipped back into old, comfortable routines and probably would have said yes to staying in the day job and and then found myself basically a year later getting frustrated. And that was another thing with why I said no to going back to the job, even though they offered wonderful people. I mean, they knew I was suffering. They offered to take me back in and let me have a period for grieving, but like I mentioned, I was the head of the team. So there was somebody I knew that was going to step up and take my place. I didn't want to take the opportunity from her. It's her time to shine. It's her time to lead. And then uh, the other part of it was I knew if I continued down that path, I was going to get disenchanted to the point that I turned in crappy work and I was going to torture relationship. So I'd much rather leave from a position of strength where everybody feels satisfied with the work that we did than ever let it get to a point where I'm so bored and over it that I'm just you know, I'm putting my butt in a chair for dollars. I I don't like that. My, my soul has to feel like I'm doing great work. I'm helping people. We're connecting, we're making a difference. And if I don't feel it, then I tune out and (laughs) I don't like that about myself, but this is kind of the shortcut that I've found to keep myself from sabotaging myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that kind of helped take back my power. And the other part of it was don't fight the feelings, right. And honesty above all. So I immediately went to the clients that I had and said, this is what's happening. I really don't know what my capability is going to be over the next weeks and months. I'm going to do my best. Please tell me if you need more from me, but just know that, you know, I'm trying I'm showing up and I'm trying and there's just a lot happening right now. One of my clients actually thanked me because he's in the process of growing his business and he said, this showed me that I need to have fail-safes and plans in place for when people inevitably need time off there's going to be accidents there's going to be illnesses there's going to be times where i can't have my entire d- business depending on one person who has to go out for unplanned reasons and i was like holy crap <laughs> like he could be grateful to me for basically coming to him and saying i'm sorry i'm about to let you down in a big way but like i just my, my brain is not working right now and there's a lot of tears <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, that was pretty much it. And I want to say the first six months of my travel, people were like, write about your adventures, write about your adventures. And I was like, I've become one with the couch. I just watched Netflix for like two weeks on somebody else's couch. I don't know what to tell you.
0: I think what's so beautiful about all of that, though, is you let yourself be human. And you Mm -hmm. let others connect with just uh, the human experience and you were just open and honest and vulnerable about it without having to put up a wall or a pretense that something was different or better than what it was. And that probably allowed you to heal, Mm -hmm. I would guess quicker too, because you were, you didn't try to hide from yourself, let alone other people.
1: I know. And I want to say when I started out in business, I really had that in my head that you have to maintain this professional relationship, like personal and professional are separate. Don't let people know what's going on into your life. But the further I go into business, the more interconnected I realize it all is. We, especially if you're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur or small business, you really are your business. And it's okay to talk about what's going on in your personal life. Now, I didn't immediately like call my clients the day that the breakup happened. You know, there, so there's a difference between showing people a scar or a scab versus an open wound. I'm not really about to get my clients on the phone and sob to them about what happened. But once I've had a couple of days to kind of get the initial intense feelings out, then I feel comfortable going up to them and saying, hey, this is what happened, you know, calm and collected. This is mm-hmm. what happened and not putting the pressure on them to like, feel like they have to comfort me. And I'm, I'm the one that's going to do the grieving. I'm going to be here for you guys as much as I am capable of being and thank you for understanding. I
0: appreciate it. Would you agree that it's sometimes easier to, to reframe your story and what's happening and shift your perspective when literally all semblance of control has been taken from you in a certain way? Because like when you're forced to start over you're writing from a blank slate. So there's not really anything left to cling to. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. you kind of have to just be like, all right, we're going to figure out how this new direction works because the past is in the past and we have to go forward in some way. And there's nothing here that I can take to, to, to squeeze the life out of further and try to twist and make it keep working in the way I thought it would work or I wanted it to work. So you're really forced to kind of be like, all right, we're reframing the story because we're rewriting the story from scratch.
1: Mm-hmm. I think there's a special kind of magic when your back is against the wall that you're really just not able to tap into unless everything else around you has shifted or fallen apart in some way. And, and I've, I've talked before about how I see things in terms of alternate realities. And it's not a very woo perspective. It's literally that, you know, of course, they can't see me, but we've, we've all got blinders on and we can only see kind of what's in front of us. But if we turn our head to the right, there's a whole other perspective that we may be missing because we're so focused on what's in front of us. And the easiest way that I have to, to demonstrate that is when I was a corporate copywriter, I had a friend that was freelance and traveled, and she's living a totally different reality from mine. I'm commuting into the office every day. She's going to Sevilla, Spain. And so I just talked to her and I was like, how do you do what you do? Please help me understand how hard is this? How diff- I'm just overwhelmed with all the options. Um, so I. I don't know, just to go back to what you were saying. I think something honestly has to shift to kind of show the cracks in your reality or open a window to something else that you didn't see before. And then that, you know, even in a tough time allows you to kind of experiment or play with it and see if there's a different way of doing things from what you did before.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And if you're going through something Super hard. I think it can feel hard enough to just think of it as something different or potentially positive. But what about when you're actually making a move to pivot? It's no longer about thinking of something differently, but actually doing something differently in maybe an entirely different direction. What, what helped you actually make that pivot, make definitive moves, definitive choices and actions beyond just, okay, now we're just thinking of something differently, but now like, all right, we got to like put pen to paper and take some action here.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh goodness. Doing, moving from thinking to doing that's always the chasm to cross. Right. Um, for this one, it was knowing that I had a definitive date. There was a date that I had to be out of the apartment. So I needed to make things happen. Um, then I was able to really kind of distract myself with all of the things that need to be done. Got to figure out where the furniture is going to go. Got to figure out how to donate things. Got to figure out. I found so many amazing specialty boxes and packing things on Amazon. I got to tell you, I've literally got a travel case for my 24 inch curved monitor. And I've got a folding desk that I'm sitting here at. And I take all of this with me to every place. I go like my podcast gear over here. (laughs) It's a whole setup that I travel with. Um, And booking a place and then just trusting myself because my instinct really wanted to plan out the entire year. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to find this. But I've discovered that I really can only take it about four to six weeks at a time. And so, right before we started recording, I was telling you, I'm going to Arizona next, but I haven't quite figured out where. Well, that's because I just got to Santa Fe this week and I unpacked and I'm, I'm settling back into a business routine. And probably this weekend, when I've got some downtime, I'll be surfing through the Arizona listings and picking where I go next. And that's really how life on the road has been. Like, I settle for a place in a month, then I move on to the next place. And in between, it's, you know, weekdays, business as usual, nights and evenings, and the occasional hooky day out. Exploring, seeing what I can see, finding cool restaurants and things. It's
0: nice. Yeah. No, it's wild. Okay. So, (laughs) when hard, I mean, I feel like hard things, so much of what you went through was alone, but like also not alone because you had such a great support system around you. But sometimes I feel like they can be even harder if you have to have some sort of difficult conversation along Mm. the way, especially with people that you love. And I know you're kind of like an expert here at the art, if you will, of difficult conversations. So talk to us about that and how you go about handling those like very much uncomfortable, nerve-wracking, not really warmly welcomed conversations, but the ones that maybe sometimes are the most impactful, most important, most, you know, serious Mm -hmm. ones that need to be had.
1: Well, first of all, when I know that there's an important conversation that needs to to happen, I know it because I start to resist it. I start to think my body kind of tenses up and I start to think, I go into default mode of finding excuses and ways to push this thing off. And that, you know, I've trained myself over the years to recognize that that's a sign that this needs to happen even quicker than I probably imagined. Because if I'm feeling tense about it, chances are the other person that I need to speak to is also feeling some feelings about it. And this, the sooner we can clear the air, the less chance there is that this will spiral out of control as we're both sitting in our own court. You know, when you sit there with your own thoughts in your head, how it can just loop and become really intense. And oh, yeah. then you find out that other person wasn't ignoring you. They just like they, they've been in the hospital. There was an accident, you know? Um, so I, I have the conversation sooner rather than later I always similar to the vein of the accident, I always imagine that there's a scenario in which they are not intending to offend me and they're in some sort of situation that I don't know about that makes total and perfect sense as to why this is happening. And then kind of like when I had the the hard conversations with my clients, I just take it from a human perspective. And like I said, I don't wing it. I sat down and I wrote out some bullet points. I knew that if we got on the phone and spoke, that I would probably cry. So what I did instead was I formed a I filmed a Loom video for them and sent it to them and said, hey, you know, two quick minutes, I gotta let you know what's going on with my life. I broke it down. I told them, here's how I see it potentially impacting the work. Here's what I'm gonna do to try and mitigate that. And then of course, if you need to talk to me at any point, the, the door is open. I'm not operating at full faculties, just full disclosure right now, but I'm I'm absolutely doing my best and I don't want to let you down. So there you go so I just I try really hard and this is what I think my superpower is is being empathetic i I've really spent a lot of and I'm not naturally that way I was a very judgy person <laughs> once upon a time <laughs> I was very mad if people didn't do things in a way that made sense to me but I've since practiced actively putting myself in the other person's shoes and wondering what matters to them what would be upsetting to them what would be disappointing to them and trying to think through, all of the ways that I could, you know, just address those concerns. I call it calling out the elephant in the room instead of pretending it's not there. And I think that really increases people's faith in me, especially if I'm having a hard conversation where I have to let them down. They know that I'm not glossing over everything. I'm being realistic. Mm -hmm. I'm being human. I'm aware of where my flaws are. And if it's a conversation that I have to have with a person that's letting me down, I tell them, hey, look, there's, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you if there wasn't an opportunity to improve, and if I didn't believe you could improve. Because trust me, I don't have fun having these conversations. This is not my idea. I'd much rather be out having a, an adventure or finding a cool place to eat. But if I'm taking the time to have this conversation with you, I think that you can absolutely step up and do a great job. And you know, I'm open to ideas as to how you think you can do that. And I always make it a conversation, whether it's me disappointing someone or someone disappointing me, let's figure this out together. Here's what I'm bringing to the table. Do you have ideas? Okay, cool. Now that we've discussed all the options, which one seems the best? All right, cool. Go team.
0: (laughs) Yes. You said so much goodness there, but what I love is the themes of transparency, Mm -hmm. growth mutually, and just human compassion and connecting on that level. Like what a great idea to send someone a loom because it wasn't, it was so much more personal than, a text message or an email or some sort of completely impersonal digital communication, but you were also self-aware enough to know your limits emotionally at the time. And you were like, the mm, phone call might become out of control for me emotionally or too much. So that was like the perfect, perfect middle ground to be able to have a personal connection to someone, get the points across you wanted to, but still be pretty much in control of your, you know, the presentation of it. So I thought that was like, A plus idea, and then the transparency level of it all too. I love that and personally use that all the time. I think that works wonders when you're trying to have a tough conversation. Because, like you said, calling out the elephant in the room, sometimes people, I think, will put on a front or become defensive or be maybe, um, questioning themselves of motives or of you or whatever. If it feels like you're not being transparent, if it feels like you are hiding the elephant in the room or beating around the bush or just like not really being open and honest. So Mm -hmm. I think right away, if you can kind of set that tone of transparency and set the tone for the mutual goals, the mutual care and respect that ends up letting the other person kind of take down their walls as well, and maybe approach it less defensively, maybe be more open to feedback, maybe be more honest with you. It like really sets the tone for a positive interaction, no matter how hard it is going to be. Well, and the funny thing is in the old days of career,
1: you know, where you, you worked for a place for 20, 30, 40 years and retired, or business was much more formal and about that image, you know, the separation between personal and professional, that really kind of plays in in some ways into our modern evolution with social media where you present that polished version of yourself. So there is, I, I can understand how some people see that, feel that pressure to be perfect and gloss over any perceived flaws and just no, this is fantastic and here are all the reasons why. That's why it's kind of counterintuitive to call out the elephant in the room but ironically enough, that makes people trust you more because it's like, you're smart. I'm smart. We both know that there's a problem right there. That's a big problem. Here's how I'm going to deal with that. And here are all the other reasons that this is a great choice. So let me know if you're comfortable with that coming as part of a. <laughs> I'm pointing as if people listening. Can... <laughs> 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 so, so let me know if that elephant over there is uh, something that you're willing to deal with in the course of of. Uh, this package deal, uh, know that I'm aware of it and I'm working on it. And let's decide if this works. Th- they trust you more because you're self aware. You are obviously not trying to snow them over and make them believe something that's not true. And you show them by doing that that you have their interests in mind too. So
0: I think that's why it works really wonderfully. Yeah, I think the overall, the yeah, overall, overarching overall theme of having that care be there, I think really helps people take down, like take a step back, like you said, trust you more. And I think be willing to get on the same page with your ideas, get on the same page for mutual growth because they don't think that you're trying to manipulate the situation or get something in it for yourselves, if they can sense that you do truly care about them as a human and that you truly care about the relationship in place, I think it becomes much more of a team effort and in turn a way less difficult conversation to be had because now all of a sudden it doesn't feel like something where people are on edge or just nervous or tense or whatever. It can very much just become a, I want to help. This, you want to help this. I care about you. You care. Like, we all, we're on the same page of care and empathy and growth. (laughs) So, if you're on that same page as quickly as possible, like, man, it can become a lot easier. Oh, yeah. And I know
1: that there's a lot of entrepreneurs are potentially scared of people flaming you online. I feel like this approach of, you know, leading with care, having the hard conversations, putting people first uh, people above profits. I don't get me wrong. Yes. I love me some profits. I like to eat out fancy, nothing wrong with that. But you know, if it comes to me choosing between a relationship and making sure somebody's satisfied versus clawing back some money from them in a fit of righteous indignation, I'm always going to choose to preserve the relationship. And that actually insulates me from somebody that would try and flame me online because there are a lot of people out there. And this is a reputation that has taken decade to build is the people that know me and work with me know where my heart is and they will almost come to my defense if somebody attacks me online and the the angie is a ripoff she's a total fraud and people are like do you even know her like what is going on with you are you having a bad day do you need a cookie are you okay karen (laughs) (laughs) yes are you okay so i i had a lot of fear around starting my own podcast because i was afraid of the flame war And it did happen when I started advertising mine, I got a lot of grumpy older guys that were like, stop spamming my wall. But then my friends and I jumped in and turned into 14 year old trolls and we're like, thanks for bumping us up in the algorithm. It's (laughs) Way to
0: reframe the story.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: (laughs) What about difficult conversations where there might not be a mutual understanding at the end where, you know. That disappointment is going to be had, or hearts are going to be broken, or pain is going to be there, and it's not necessarily going to have a happy ending with a pretty bow on it. Do you have advice for kind of making that a little bit of an easier or a little bit less horrible conversation when you know going into it, or you sense very quickly on if you're on the receiving end of it, that like, oh, this ain't going to be good, and I don't really think that there's a way to reframe it just yet?
1: Mm -hmm. And I
0: I think at least professionally, if you're talking like,
1: you know, contractor and client or you know, some some sort of other working relationship like that, that a lot of the times when we feel that angst, you know, the shoulders start to come up around the air and that tension, they're probably feeling it too, which necessitates this conversation. But that kind of resistance also could be a sign that you don't have the full story. And that's why I like to mentally, reframe these conversations that I'm having with people as, all right, we're gonna get to the bottom of this. We're gonna get as much data as possible. And that's gonna help me make an informed decision about whether it's right to proceed or whether it's right to cut ties as friends. And that's the way I always try to think about it. Like, I'm not here to prove myself right to you. One of my really smart friends, Chris says, I'd rather be rich than right. And I totally agree with him. Like, which is total turnaround from my earlier days where I'm very stubborn and there's a right way to do things. Listen to Angie's way i don't necessarily believe that anymore there's a hundred different ways to solve any problem and mine might be the best and it might not so i will usually approach this conversation like i said from okay i might be missing a piece of the puzzle that's that's making me feel very tense right now and like this relationship can't continue so i'm going to call out the elephant in the room and say i don't know if you've noticed this but we've had some miscommunications on this or a, a payment was missed over here or this launch went awry and you know, I, I did try to warn about this aspect and, and you guys felt like it was a great course of action. So here's where I'm struggling is basically the formula of that. Like here's where I'm struggling. I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, here are some potential solutions that I see for that. So, you know, hey, that was a great learning experience. Next time moving forward, we might try X, Y, or Z instead of ABC. Um, you know, actually to keep moving forward on this, I'll need you to take care of the invoice. No hard feelings. I understand that business, you know, priorities shift and things get lost in the shuffle. I'm not offended or anything, but I can't keep working on this project until I the invoice is fulfilled. I know you understand because you've got a business to run to. Um, I can't remember the other example I gave, but those those are kinds of boundary setting conversations that I'll have with people. This is my expectation. This is what I need. What do you need? What kind of solutions do you see that I maybe I'm not seeing? Okay, let's talk about the pros and cons and then arrive at a solution that works for everyone together. And hey, if the solution winds up being that we can't work together anymore, or if it's not, it's just not a fit anymore, it worked, but now it's not. Sometimes that happens. We part ways as friends. I don't want you to think that there's going to be any hard feelings on my end because there's not. I know that sometimes these things just, you know, relationships grow and they change and they evolve so maybe we're at the end of our working relationship but I'd definitely like to keep you as a professional colleague and you know refer you to anybody if you've got referrals that you want to connect me to fantastic so I always set the stage going into this client like okay I don't know if you've noticed here's my struggles I've got some potential solutions whatever way it turns out I want you to know that we're going to be cool from my perspective let's talk
0: Yeah. That's so great. And I love that formula. I feel like works for way beyond the professional scope of conversation. Like you can have that same exact formula applied to a tough conversation with a girlfriend and it's still kind of positioning it as, all right, I'm struggling. Here's what I'm noticing. Uh, what, what are you seeing? And then we're trying to still reach, we're calling out the elephant in the room and we're still trying to reach a mutually acceptable conclusion here. And mm-hmm. still ending on good terms. So it's like that formula. What a thank you so much for sharing that. Cause like, what yeah. a great formula for literally every difficult conversation. That was really
1: the first time that I kind of articulated it into a formula. So I like that. I'm going to have to experiment with that a little bit. Yeah. Now you got to trademark that. <laughs> I know. Like, notice that the only time I mentioned you was when I was asking for their opinion. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong because it's like, well, you did this and you did that. And it's kind of if you, choose whether consciously or unconsciously to lean into the hurt feelings and try to make them hold them accountable for the hurt feelings that is when this conversation is going to go off the rails but if you can detach from it personally assume that assume good intention that they're not deliberately doing something to screw with you because if they are doing something to deliberately screw with you something is wrong with your process how did you get into a working relationship with that kind of person.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah. So good. And I mean, hey, they tell you that in therapy all the time. Like, you know, oh, yeah. you're never pointing your finger or placing blame. It has to be I statements, how you feel, whatever. And you're talking mm-hmm. about, I'm feeling this, whatever. Even in like positive parenting and stuff, it's all about like not belittling, not placing blame, but really shining the light on how you feel personally with I statements, mm-hmm. not ever turning the finger around to say, you did this, you, this, you, this, because that's like the first fastest way to have someone be on edge, defensive questioning, Mm
1: -hmm. not
0: get into the final destination that you're, you're hoping to get to. So a plus advice.
1: Oh yeah. As soon as they're defensive, you are no longer having a conversation. You're having a fight. Yes. So you've got to keep it from becoming defensive. And if they say and the, the opposite is true, if they say something that makes you feel defensive, it's totally okay in this conversation to say something along the lines of, whoa, oh, ouch, that one kind of stung. Can we take a step back a little bit and refocus on the problem? Like know that I'm coming at this from a, a good place of heart, but I'm not saying that I am totally perfect and without fault here. Let's let's focus on the problem and what potential solutions there are, including whether this doesn't work out. But I, you know, if somebody hurts my feelings, if they take a jab at me, I call them on it. Yeah. But I don't like. Wow, that was a dick move. Go, oh, ouch! <laughs> that that kind of hurts. Was was that really necessary? Can we mm-hmm. can we really focus on this? And you know, stuff comes out in the heat of the moment. And we were talking about at the beginning how I gave myself grace to be human. I also give everybody I work with grace to be human, which means they're gonna screw things up. They're gonna say the wrong things. They're gonna have an outburst at the wrong moment. I've had people come onto meetings and cry. Because they think that even though they know that I'm good at having conversations, they think that I'm going to fire them. So they're already in their fields before we even start. So it's like, come at it from a human place and know how to defuse it whenever and and recognize when people are getting defensive, because then it's just argument and you're right and I'm wrong and nobody's going to solve any problems that way.
0: Yeah. Amen to that. Oh, so good. Angie, thank you. Uh, I want to get things wrapped up by asking you what we ask all guests on Thrive, which is what does thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Mm. Well, I think we know that I'm thriving with my on the road trip, which I will admit is
1: uh, is filled with plenty of one with the couch Netflix days, uh, as it is with adventures. It's not all adventure all the time. Got to do laundry sometime. Digital nomad life. Um, but I I don't want to coast. I don't want to be on my deathbed someday looking back, going, eh, it was a life. You know, I, I want to do something that has some meaning, even if the meaning is only to me, even if I'm the only one benefiting from the adventures I have, great. But I I just don't want to to coast and get to the ends knowing that I've done better. So I try to bring a little bit of joy to everything that I'm doing. Even marketing campaigns, we have fun. We throw out crazy ideas that we know are never going to see the light of day, but just just the art of having fun sparks something that we can run with that really connects with people. So a little bit of joy, a little bit of out of the ordinary. That's what thriving looks like to me.
0: I love that. Tell everyone where they can find you online to connect with you more. Awesome.
1: Well, the website is Permission to Kick Ass. The podcast is also called Permission to Kick Ass. It's available on all major streaming services. You can follow me there. I am promising in 2022 to be better about writing about my adventures. I have not been as great about that, but you know, in my defense last year was breakup year. This year is we're settling into the groove and we're going to write about the adventures.
0: I love it. <laughs>